And hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new year on Narrative Live. It is good to be with you on a brand new time slot, on a brand new day, Wednesday, 8 p.m. We have a big investigation coming up in our big block tonight. Red flags that George Santos is a spy. We also understand tonight there are red flags that George Santos may be a drag queen. That is not even a joke. That is quite serious. Uh, uh, that's a new reporting that coming out this evening. We'll update you on that coming up a little later on. Plus, we'll have a look ahead at the GOP agenda for uh, this next year the incredibly extreme GOP agenda that the Republican Party under Kevin McCarthy seems to be putting together. Uh, all of that is coming up. But first, a quick look at the top headlines today. Uh, you must have been asleep under a rock if you didn't know that uh, there's a new bunch of committee members in the Republican Party and in the GOP House. Look at these names. Would you have imagined these names would have existed on these uh, committees before? Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene at the Homeland Security George Santos and, and small business and space science and technology. We'll have a lot more on George coming up in a bit. Plus, Paul Gozar on the House Oversight, Scott Perry in House Oversight, Lauren Bobart in House Oversight. That's four members of the so-called Freedom Caucus, all in House Oversight. According to the Washington Post, four of the former presidents, Donald Trump's staunchest and most controversial allies, Republican representatives Taylor Greene, Gosar, Perry, and Bobart all appear headed to the House Oversight Committee. That's a very powerful committee, decides exactly what gets voted on in the House. It's all expected to make um, investigations of President Biden and his family a leading priority. The Republicans are also angling to deny Representative Schiff and Swalwell, which I believe they've done already, seats on the House Intelligence Committee, and to remove Elon Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. One of the things that people are noticing is how young also the new GOP committee chairs are. According to the Washington Post, again, three of the GOP chairs have less than 20 years of experience between them, and they already are chairman of these important committees. Coming up, we'll tell you a little bit more about what's in the agenda for Kevin McCarthy and the GOP. In other news, looking at a little further afield in Israel, the Supreme Court has told Benjamin Netanyahu, basically, that he cannot appoint a senior minister into his government because that senior minister has been found to be guilty of tax fraud. It's a big development because, you know, he's really reliant on these coalition partners in order to form his cabinet. And if he can't form his cabinet, he can't have his coalition government stand up. So we'll see what happens in the next coming days. It's very important, of course, whether Bibi Netanyahu stands or does not as a prime minister in Israel, because he is largely the ideological twin, shall we say, of, of Donald Trump. You know, they have very similar financial backers. Uh, they have very similar policies. And it'd be really interesting to see if there even is a future for uh, Donald Trump or anyone else in that MAGA world, if Bibi Netanyahu is no longer the Israeli prime minister, because there does seem to be, as we'll see tonight, very close links between Bibi and uh, Trump and certainly Bibi's Likud party and many members of the GOP. That's all part of our investigation coming up. Also tonight, a sad news out of Ukraine where uh, there's been an accident involving the interior minister. He has died. His deputy has died. Uh, it's a helicopter crash. It's unclear yet whether that was a strike of any form by the Russians that took down that helicopter or whether it was just an accident. There was an expected announcement that Russia would increase its deployment into, into the Ukraine by a huge number and launch a brand new offensive. That announcement did not come. Maybe it was because of that accident that they decided to hold off on their announcement of their new declaration of, of war against Ukraine. Or maybe it was other things. I talked to our resident Ukraine expert, Michael McKay, about what he thought was going on. Hi, Michael, how are you? Hello, Zev, I'm fine, thank you. It's been a while since we've had a chance to talk. Happy New Year. It is a happy new year, it seems, except not in Ukraine, where they've had this 
awful accident or a crash of a helicopter carrying their interior minister. It killed the minister. It killed many other people, including his deputy and a child. Tell us a little bit more about that accident and the implications for the Zelensky government. I think, first of all, the timing is so unfortunate because it comes just a couple days after Russia's attack on the apartment building in Dnipro. And so it is really a psychological blow to the Ukrainian people that these two places that are far away from the battlefront and they're seeing these casualties of innocence of children and so on. And so that's certainly a double whammy, quite a, and I'm hearing distressing statements, statements of distress from Ukrainians about both of these incidents. Zelensky was at the Davos conference today and led a minute of silence, but he did look more shaken, obviously, than than normal. But it's also his friend, of course. So this is quite personal. And so I think he's reflecting how many Ukrainians feel that it is personal. According to his spokesperson, Peskov, today was going to be the big announcement where Putin was going to announce a new front and a renewed effort into Ukraine. It never happened today. Do you have any more information as to why it didn't happen? Because Russian statements and the reality are completely divorced. Russians, for example, said that a couple of days ago that they're going to have a one and a half million strong army. But it, this is impossible. They have, don't have equipment. They don't have any capability of doing this. And also the failure of the last round of mobilization has really come home to the military political leadership. It just seems that they just won't go away, even though they're being so heavily defeated in many of the battles. Zelensky was in DC saying he was very positive about the year ahead. And in, by all indications, it looks like this could be the year that Ukraine is able to really push back Russia beyond, beyond its original borders. And of course, that's now the new intention is to try and get them right back even beyond Crimea. Is that going to happen? Yes, it is. And it is going to happen faster because of the Russian tactics. See, what the Russians are doing is they're throwing meat waves at Ukraine. There are these large numbers of recently mobilized soldiers and prisoners taken mm. from jails, poorly equipped, poorly trained, poorly armed, and basically thrown at the Ukrainians. And in the short term, this does work. They can advance couple hundred meters a day. Eventually, the Ukrainians run out of bullets and shells and withdraw to previously prepared positions. And, and in the meantime, the Russians bring up more troops to take the positions and among the corpses of their many dead. They're losing anywhere between 500 and 800 soldiers every day for the wow. past several weeks, and they keep throwing the meat waves at it. But what that means is that when the collapse of the Russian offensives happen, that's when the Ukrainian offensives will kick in and there will be no depth to the Russians' defense. They just don't have a capability of it. All they have is this ability to do these infantry assaults, no armor, no artillery to speak of, much less than there was before, and no air support. In the United States, we're seeing the GOP is readying to challenge some of the spending and the aid that the United States has been giving Ukraine. Obviously, this was thought of ahead of time, and Biden was able to get some of that last aid package through in the last congressional session. But what's your thoughts to specifically Republicans in Congress to stop spending money to support the Zelensky government? I think... It's a little bit more nuanced than that. I think what you're saying is absolutely correct about the, the MAGA faction, for example, in the Republican Party. But on the other hand, ever remains of the establishment Republican Party, and I admit there's very little of that left, 
thinks there's a way to maybe beat Biden over the head with this, that he's not strong enough or why the hesitancy? I think there was a note, something about this to today. I think that through the middle, that there will be a sustained American support for Ukraine. And that's a good thing that I, because I don't see the Republican party as being monolithic as saying no more money to Ukraine. There is a worrying faction. You're quite right about that. But I don't think that they will affect American policy. Thank you very much, Michael. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you very much, Seth. And when we come back after this little break, we'll tell you a lot more about George Santos. Who is he really? There are new allegations, even photographs of him as a drag performer. We'll show you those. Plus, his allegations that he may have been involved in the death of a dog. But more importantly, we dig into his finances and we discover many unsettling things in his financial campaign, including allegations that he might be involved or connected to a Russian oligarch and his ties to Israeli military intelligence. All of that is coming up just after the break right here on Narrative. Hey, it's Zev from Narrative. I'm excited to announce the launch of my new original series, Spy Murdoch. This is an epic story of Rupert Murdoch as an intelligence asset, and it's all 100% true. Spy Murdoch will premiere in February on Narrative's Patreon feed and Narrative's new premium YouTube channel. Now to join either of those services, you can either head over to patreon.com forward slash narrative and sign up there, or to join our new YouTube premium channel, just look for the join button underneath the screen when you're watching on YouTube. This is brand new content with bombshell revelations that have never been revealed before about the iconic Murdoch. We will explain, amongst many other things, how Fox News gains such a foothold in the United States. For a limited time, we're offering access to all our premium content for just $5 a month. Prices will go up, so lock in today. You'll have a front row seat as I unravel the secrets of Rupert Murdoch for the first time. Don't miss this opportunity to be among the first to learn these brand new details and watch this narrative original series with me. It'll change the way you view history and your place in it. That's Spy Murdoch, beginning in February on Narrative. I might have a story. His name is George Santos. He's a new congressman, and he's either a pathological liar or a Republican. So, uh, same difference. What are you wearing? You look poor. He's everything that's wrong with America right now. My mom died on 9-11. I'm not basic. I work at Goldman Sachs and graduated from Baruch. I'm gay, and I was never married to a woman. My pet charity is very VIP. Oh, and I'm Jew-ish. My question is, do you have no shame? I do not have time for this. I do not have time for you! That is George Santos as envisioned by a comedian named John Walsh, who was going to be our guest tonight. He's He's got COVID, so he won't be on the show tonight. But that is John Walsh uh, being George Santos. I, you know, our take tonight has been a little different than others because it seems to us that there are many red flags, if you will, that George Santos is a spy, not just a guy who lies, but a guy who lies maybe for another nation state or for operatives of another nation state. Now, we don't want to throw that word around too loosely. Um, spy can mean many things. It can mean that he is an actual agent of a foreign intelligence a- agency. That is quite possible. Or he could be an asset, maybe someone who is controlled by a foreign intelligence agency. But regardless, it does seem to us that there is 
kind of obvious red flags as to why he might be not who he claims to be. You know, spies like to hide their identity. And if you look at his very short history here about his lying, it's clear that he has a criminal history, which is kind of typical sometimes of spies, because what they do is they like to live off the soil, which is one of the ways they sort of ingratiate themselves into societies and cause less detection is by actually making money working in those communities or stealing in those communities. Oftentimes that leads to a criminal history that they may think not bite them because they can move to another country if they need to go back home, should that be the case. So, uh, you know, he has a criminal history, or at least a criminal record of complaints around him. There's fraud complaints in, in Brazil and there's allegations that he was involved in a Ponzi scheme here, although he wasn't cited directly in that case. We'll get into that in just a few minutes. Plus, he's obviously fabricated his entire education history. Um, no one is really sure where he was educated, but uh, clearly he was not educated at Baruch, which is where he said he was, or at NYU. And he's also uh, got an inexplicable funding pipeline. We'll get into exactly where he gets his money from. And it's from unusual sources, including a Russian oligarch and some well-known families on Long Island. And obviously, we've now discovered that it may not be his real name that he's operating under. You know, for everyone who knows him, especially from Brazil, knowing him as Anthony DeVolder. Who is George Santos really? Well, he may be, as we say, an intelligence operative. But one thing we'll like to say before we get any further is that he is clearly cut from the cloth of Donald Trump. Everything that seems to have made Donald Trump seems to have made George Santos. We found this clip as he was being interviewed by Laura Trump. Um, and, you know, it tells you everything about how obnoxiously a fan he is of Donald Trump, but also his incredible embellishment. Here he is talking about his house getting ransacked for going to a party at Mar-a-Lago. You know, as you mentioned, cancel culture has affected all of us at this point. It affected my own personal life. I go to a party for New Year's, take a picture with a few friends enjoying ourselves. And the party happens to be at Mar-a-Lago. Great party. I love it. Great party. Uh, phenomenal party. <laughs> so I come home and my house is trashed. $42,000 worth of damage. Oh my gosh. Windows shattered. I mean, just absolute chaos. My carport pulled from the ground. I mean, real damage, graffiti, slurs of all sorts that I can't even say on air because they're that inappropriate. They get away with it. You know, the cops came in and says, look, we can pull a security camera from all your neighbors and all, but I mean, we're going to identify them. What are we going to do? I said, prosecute them. Yeah. Uh, it's going to go nowhere. You know, when it hit the judge, I, I, I did the report. I want the investigation to go on. My fiance is fired because we're at a party. Now, it's funny that, and this sounds almost very petty. I was watching that inauguration, or as I call it, a hostile takeover of our country with 30,000 troops. God, politics is the only place you can fail up. And he's a great example of that, right? He's talking there about Anthony Fauci, talking about failing up. And uh, uh, and then he was also saying those incredibly unusual words about the, uh, the inauguration being a hostile takeover of the United States. Now, I've cropped this picture out a little differently, and you can see these multiple screens here because it's the only way I could show you what this appears to be, uh, Anthony DeVolder, or a.k.a. George Santos, as a drag performer in Brazil. According to a new report out just this evening, Ella Rorad is a Brazilian drag queen who was friends with George Santos when he lived near Rio. And according to this report by Marissa Cabas, who just posted this an hour ago, this is a photo of Rashad next to someone known as Kitara Ravash. And Kitara Ravash is apparently George Santos. It's imperative that you understand this reporter is saying that the news value of the story is not to laugh at someone dressing in drag. No, the value is that George Santos campaigned as a Trump-loving 
ultra-conservative candidate and continues to align himself with far-right figures who share violence at drag events and actively cause harm to a generous and beautiful community. And that is, in fact, obviously very true. There is a huge platform for the GOP this year targeting drag events, but wouldn't it be something if there is actually a drag queen amongst their ranks? It may explain why he is so good at putting on such an effective performance in everything else that he's done in the last few years. So here's the, the crux of our research. Um, we have mentioned already that there is a Russian oligarch backing George Santos. That Russian-Ukrainian oligarch, actually, as it turns out, he certainly was born in Ukraine, but he is very, very close to Vladimir Putin, is Viktor Vexelberg. You might recall Viktor Vexelberg from our reporting a few years ago on carbon and a bunch of other stories. He really is one of Putin's you know, key figures. He not only operates as his delegate when he needs a certain things done around the world, but Viktor Vexelberg is also accused, at least by the FBI, of running some sort of intelligence operation out of a foundation which unites both Israeli and Russian um, technology industries. Um, so that's the Sokolov Foundation. So that's Viktor Vexelberg. And I, he is represented in the United States by a guy named Andrew Intrita. And Andrew, along with Viktor Vexelberg, had a lot of their holdings frozen when sanctions were imposed on them for backing the intervention into the 2016 election campaign with Donald Trump. One. So you can certainly see that there's ties already to the way Donald Trump was elected. There are certainly ties to the way George Santos maybe was elected as well. Interesting to note that Michael Cohen, the former lawyer of Donald Trump, is also related to Andrew, Andrew Intrita. Stormy Daniels was paid off by Andrew Intrita on behalf of Donald Trump through Michael Cohen. There was a big payment made to her. And it's one of the many, many contacts that Michael Cohen had with Andrew Intrita, especially leading up to the inauguration in 2016. Maybe there were a thousand messages between the two, but really a huge number of contacts between the lawyer of, of Donald Trump and Andrew Intrita as they were building up to the 2016 election campaign um, and between the campaign and the inauguration. But the, the thing to think about here is Victor Vexelberg is a sanctioned minister, someone who is considered a traitor to the United States. So is Andrew Intrita. Their funds have been frozen because they have been operating on behalf of a foreign government. And they seem to have backed our friend George Santos to quite a huge amount. And maybe, just maybe, that's the reason he found his way to becoming the congressman for the Nassau County uh, District. So here's a look at some of the FEC filings that we've been able to track down. A lot of money spent on Mr. Santos by Intrita, $5,800, which is a limit of what you can spend on any campaign was spent on him last year. But there's also... $23,000 that went to uh, committees and uh, committee groupings that supported the Santos for Congress campaign, plus 5000 there in the top right, which is money that the NRCC, the National Republican Congress, made from Andrew Intrita. So you can certainly see that there's a pattern, not even just a pattern, like a really significant amount of backing by Andrew Intrita, who is Victor Vexelberg's guy uh, in terms of supporting George Santos during the 22 election season, and even before that in the 20, 2020 election season, he was also supported by them. There's a, a worthwhile note here about Andrew Intrita is that he's not just Victor Vexelberg's guy. He's also Ehud Barak's guy. Barak, the former prime minister of Israel, he was the head of intelligence in Israel, but he was also tied to Jeffrey Epstein. We'll tell you a little bit more about that. But according to Wikipedia here, it says that Intrita is a trader to the USA and manages the investment firm Sparrow Capital. Uh, which used to be known as Renova Group. Renova Group is owned by Intrita's cousin, the Russian oligarch 
Victor Vexelberg, we mentioned that. Columbus Nova's biggest asset at the time was a controlling stake in CIFC. And this is where the connection to Hood Barak comes in. CIFC had Hood Barak on its board, along with Intrata. It was sold for $333 million in 2016 to the Qatari royal family. But it does show you how close Intrata and Vexelberg and Ahud Barak run. And, you know, Ahud Barak, as I've mentioned before, we've known him since our investigation here into Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, you know, there's a clear working relationship that Ahud Barak had with Jeffrey Epstein. Now it seems his history with Victor Vexelberg is also interesting because it, it relates to George Santos's potential win and why he won in New York for his congressional seat. So digging a little deeper into these guys, Intrita is also connected to Harbor City Capital. Now, Harbor City Capital is where George Santos worked for two years between 20 and 2021. Harbor City Capital is a company that no longer operates because it's been named a classic Ponzi scheme by the SEC. So its assets are completely frozen. And between 2020 and 2021, it was work for George Santos. Now, it's interesting that that company, Harbor City Capital, also is tied to Andrew Indrita. He put $625,000 into Harbor City Capital just after the war between Ukraine and Russia broke out. Now, there's some speculation that that money was meant to cover some of the needs of Victor Vexelberg and others who might have been you know, cut off by sanctions at the time in Russia or wherever they might have been, and they wanted to get some of that money out. So it was maybe potentially washed through Harbor City Capital all the way to Victor Vexelberg. Now, there is a record of $426,000 going to an unknown Uzbekistani account. Could be an account related to Vexelberg. So maybe what happened was 625,000 came in from Andrew Intrata and 426,000 went out to whomever was at this Uzbekistani bank and whose account was there. That is all, you know, maybe just the sidebar story. It certainly may not touch Santos directly, except for the fact that Santos is on the record saying that Intrata was a client of his at Harbor City for two years in the leading up to the 2022 elections. And so you've got an interesting situation here where Santos is a client of Intrata. He's also Intrata's choice of candidate for the New York City congressional seat that we're talking about. So lots to be found out still about Harbor City Capital, lots to be found out about Intrata's involvement in Harbor City and Vexelberg. But also, yet again, George Santos seems to be not revealing the truth about his relationship with Intrata and his relationship with Harbor City. Was he really a client? Did he work for Intrata? How did he get that job? Just so many questions involved in that. None of that is necessarily illegal when it comes to elections, although it could be illegal for other reasons, as the SEC has called it a Ponzi scheme. But George Santos is not named in any criminal suit or anything like that. However, there is a, an allegation of illegality revolving his Devolder organization. This is the company he formed. It never used to be a very profitable company, but suddenly, out of the blue, was breaking in $750,000 in the lead up to the election campaign. The main people who gave that company money um, the numbers next to these people are not necessarily the amount of money that was given directly to Devolder. They gave these individual amounts of twenty-three, forty-four, and $70,000 to Santos. They also gave the Devolder organization enough money for George Santos to pull $700,000 out of that account that was illegally, we believe, withdrawn from Devolder because you're not meant to basically launder your money through your corporate entities in order to get your money into a campaign. But $700,000 went from the Devolder organization to George Santos to fund his campaign. Now, it is interesting 
The main backers of Devold and the main clients, as he calls them, of Devolder organization are the Long Island insurance magnate James Metzger, the New York-based Tantilo Auto Group, and the Ruiz family of South Florida. It's unclear why a South Florida family would be backing a Long Island congressman who's completely unknown, but you can guess maybe why. It's interesting as well that the Tantilo Auto Group are a auto group from Long Island, and that name itself might even suggest that there's interesting financial history to that family. And then, of course, the Metzger family, a prominent family as well in Long Island. There they are funding the Devolder organization in order to wash money through illegally into the George Santos campaign. So certainly worth an investigation. And the FEC is doing just that right now. The same group of people, including Mr. Andrew Interter, are also very fond of Lee Zeldin. You'll remember Lee Zeldin is the almost governor of New York State in the final weeks of the elections. Lee Zeldin was gaining traction and there was a concern that he may, in fact, be able to defeat the governor in New York. He wasn't ultimately able to, but we're seeing signs that Intrata and some of these other people all seem to be backing both Zeldin and Santos. So is there a, more than just a political alliance between Zeldin and, and Santos? Do they actually have the same common backers? By the way, Bibi Netanyahu is pictured here with Zeldin. It's certainly a picture many people have of Bibi uh, standing by their side, but it's an unusual thing to notice that another Israeli prime minister, former and current, are involved in the story around George Santos. We've been asking the question from Kevin McCarthy, is there a reason why he didn't report an incident that happened to him regarding George Santos and why he stood by George Santos all this time? And according to the New York Times, Mr. McCarthy, who ultimately endorsed Mr. Santos and helped his campaign, has said relatively little about the fabrications and has refused calls to try to oust Santos from his house job. Um, the speaker seems to maintain an exceedingly narrow majority in Washington. As we know, there's just four or five seats in his majority there, four really. But if he loses one, you know, it gets closer to losing the whole house, which would be a huge blow to the Republican Party. McCarthy played down Mr. Santos's lies, comparing them to other politicians who have embellished parts of their resumes and implying he would not undo the will of voters who elected him. This guy's completely out of left field, lying about absolutely everything. Nothing he's done in his career turns out to be true. He's backed by Russian oligarchs. Why is Kevin McCarthy standing by him? A spokesman for Mr. McCarthy did not respond to repeated requests for comments on the story. Mr. McCarthy maintained they did not know about the boldest fabrications and misrepresentations like those turned up by the Republican researchers in 2021, but only had more general concerns about his honesty. You know, when you've got one of your caucus members calling up donors, pretending they're your chief of staff, you think that would be an issue for the, the speaker, but not so. And then in the spring of 2022, Mr. Santos was in need of a new team of consultants. And who did he turn to? He turned to Elise Stefanik and her political team to help build his political organization back up. And they did that. Of course, he won the congressional seat. But it's very nice of her to support a, another congressional candidate like that, especially in New York. Maybe it's just coincidence that there's $2,000 that flow from Andrew Intrater into Elise Stefanik's donation file during the FEC's years of 2021 to 2022. Uh, but there's also Kevin McCarthy got about $1,000 from Andrew Intrater late in the game. And this is unusual. That's why I'm so curious about when Kevin McCarthy really knew everything about George Santos. But there it is in September the 14th, 2022, Andrew Intrater gives the Kevin McCarthy for Congress campaign $990, which is just the maximum you can give 
I think, in that situation. So here's the slide from the FEC. The itemized reporting from Kevin McCarthy showing $990 to Kevin McCarthy's campaign from Andrew Intrater. There's also one there for Elise Stefanik. The questions remain. Whom within leadership of the GOP knew about George Santos, knew about his lies, knew about how devious he was being, and who still stood by him? And if they did stand by him, why did they stand by him? Is it because they got these donations from Andrew Intrater, the, the cousin of Viktor Vexelberg, the sanctioned Russian oligarch with ties to both Israeli military intelligence and Vladimir Putin? Vexelberg is not just an accidental bystander to both this election and the 2016 election where Donald Trump was elected. You'll recall that in 2016 or 17, we had this big exclusive here on Narrative where we exposed Jeffrey Epstein's connections to a company called Carbon, uh, was a service that is still around, I believe. Basically, it allows 911 call centers to turn on your camera phones when you call them. Um, guess who funded Carbon back then? It was Victor Vexelberg and Andrew Intrater, who were the key funders, along with Peter Thiel, of all people, and Jeffrey Epstein. This is the slide showing Ahud Barak, Victor Vexelberg, and Andrew Intrater, all funding Carbon and Jeffrey Epstein and Peter Thiel involved there. Uh, we don't know what happened to Carbon. Carbon may still be around, it may not be around, but it's clear when you look at the entire grouping of people involved in developing Carbon that it was a product really of the 8200, which is the Israeli Defense Force unit, which has become sort of the spy tech venture capital dream because they produce all these incredible startups that do so well around the world, even though they do sorts of illegal activity, but things like NSO, where they can hack into people's phones, or side group, which is PSY, that group which helped Donald Trump win in, in 2016. These companies for a while there were certainly raking in a lot of money before people realized they were operating, in some cases, illegally. But you can see that those organizations all came from 8200, and so did Carbon, which certainly ties Victor Vexelberg and Drew to uh, Pinkas Burkus, who at the time was the brigadier in charge of 8200. And it ties them all to the attempts by Israeli military intelligence to launch all these startups, some of which might infringe on the privacy of Americans. Maybe he's unknowing. Maybe he doesn't know that there's a military intelligence connection to his biggest backers. Maybe Kevin McCarthy hasn't put these dots together yet to figure out that he is getting funding from Victor Vexelberg's connection there in Andrew Intrater, that he's getting money from a Russian oligarch who with ties to Israeli military intelligence. There are just too many questions to believe anything about George Santos to allow him to credibly stand as a congressman in the United States Congress. And these ties or potential ties to backers with connections to, to the Israeli intelligence world, that certainly raises additional questions that need to be answered by Mr. Santos and his backers. I'll be back in just a minute with a last thought about the GOP. Hey, it's Zev from Narrative. I'm excited to announce the launch of my new original series, Spy Murdoch. This is an epic story of Rupert Murdoch as an intelligence asset, and it's all 100% true. Spy Murdoch will premiere in February on Narrative's Patreon feed and Narrative's new premium YouTube channel. Now, to join either of those services, you can either head over to patreon.com forward slash narrative and sign up there, or to join our new YouTube Premium channel, just look for the Join button underneath the screen when you're watching on YouTube. This is brand new content with bombshell revelations that have never been revealed before about the iconic Murdoch. 
we will explain, amongst many other things, how Fox News gained such a foothold in the United States. For a limited time, we're offering access to all our premium content for just $5 a month. Prices will go up, so lock in today. You'll have a front row seat as I unravel the secrets of Rupert Murdoch for the first time. Don't miss this opportunity to be among the first to learn these brand new details and watch this narrative original series with me. It'll change the way you view history and your place in it. That's Spy Murdoch, beginning in February on Narrative. So you may be asking, why should I care about all these things? Why should I care about George Santos? Why should I care about the who the heads, which committee in the house? Does it really impact your life? Well, it does impact your life because unfortunately for the next two years, Kevin McCarthy and that caucus of people that we've been talking about, George Santos, Marjorie Taylor Greene, et cetera, are running the show in the House. And that means that they're going to be investigating Joe Biden more than they're going to be doing any of their other real work that they should be doing. So here's a quick look at some of the things that the, the GOP caucus plans to do. Uh, and they've already started doing some of this. Representative James Comer, he's the head of the House Oversight Committee, has launched a probe into President Biden and his family. He's requesting information about Biden's family finances from the Treasury Department. This, of course, all ties into the Hunter Biden investigation, which is all well and good. You know, maybe there's something worth pursuing there in the Hunter Biden investigation. Go ahead. But you can see the hypocrisy in the GOP is that there isn't an investigation into Jared Kushner's $2 billion bribe from Mohammed bin Salman in Saudi Arabia. How could you possibly investigate Hunter Biden and not investigate the former president's son-in-law with a $2 billion bribe related to who knows what that he got from MBS. Then there's the Biden document scandal. You know, this has been going on for a few days now. I got to say, you know, the president of the United States and the former vice president of the United States has the right to keep his classified documents where he wants to read them. He is currently the president of the United States, and it doesn't matter that these documents were found from his vice presidential days. I mean, if you want to really go through it, sure, we can parse it and say that maybe he shouldn't have kept those documents in his garage or whatever, and that shouldn't have happened. But there really is no equivalency between what Donald Trump did, which is to take these documents from the White House, steal them basically, bring them all the way to Mar-a-Lago, store them in a weird place. And Mar-a-Lago, by the way, is a hotbed of espionage activity, more spies of Chinese origin than you can imagine in that place. You know, and he stored them there, not only to store them, but to hide them from the DOJ. And on top of that, there are allegations or at least rumors that he was trying to sell them in the world market, trying to sell these documents, and that, in fact, it did jeopardize a lot of the CIA operations around the world. Now, that did not happen with Joe Biden. It did happen, potentially, with Donald Trump. So before people start saying that there is an equivalency here, there just isn't. The current president of the United States is not working against the interests of the United States. The former president clearly was. If you're gonna investigate the Biden document scandal, Surely you should be investigating the Mar-a-Lago espionage scandal as well. It's impossible to do one without the other. Then there's this new weaponization committee, which is outrageous. This is the committee to investigate whether the FBI is being weaponized, the federal government is being weaponized, it's being run out of Jim Jordan's select subcommittee. It's the weaponization of the GOP that needs to be investigated because the entire GOP has been weaponized by foreign intelligence assets are currently clearly in control of the agenda. Then, of course, there's the anti-abortion legislation. They've already put in two anti-abortion laws into effect since they won the House. That is counter to what everyone in the country really wants to see. There's the Afghanistan Committee. Again, this is an investigation 
looking into the departure of Afghanistan, you know, in 2021, when Biden ordered the uh, departure. And of course, it was a very messy departure and withdrawal from Afghanistan. But what isn't being investigated by the House Republicans is how we got into a 20-year war based on their party's lies and also how their party kept the secrets of who was involved in 9-11, specifically Saudi Arabia, hidden from the public for a very long time until Joe Biden released those details. You know, why are we looking at this, the departure of Saudi, of the American troops from Saudi, from Afghanistan, when clearly there's a lot more deception going on around Afghanistan and 9-11 that has not yet been released. And finally tonight, you know, the debt ceiling increase seems unbelievable that, that these guys who worked so hard to, to increase the, the, the deficit and for so many years, that they're the ones who are now saying we won't pay the bills. You know, they're in a supposed negotiation, although there's nothing to negotiate about whether Kevin McCarthy can, can win this debate. Debate is really unlikely. The fact that he could even suggest that there's a negotiation process that should be going through, it just, it makes no sense. The debt ceiling must be increased. It just must be, because that's what the American economy is based on. We have to have our full faith and credits. And so what's going on now is an unusual political ploy by McCarthy. And it particularly ignores the fact that Donald Trump increased the uh, debt in the United States from $7.8 trillion, or forced by $7.8 trillion. It's a significant amount, $8 trillion almost, that was added to our debt by Donald Trump during his years in power. And of course, that isn't being discussed. That isn't being investigated as it should be. Instead, the House GOP are saying that they are going to not increase the debt ceiling, potentially having the United States default on their debt. Every minute of narratives reporting, Every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative, where truth lives. One day you'll tell the story of autocrats, crooks, and kings who came for our freedom. A story of citizens who stood up to tyranny and won. The people prevailed and renewed an old vow to a more perfect union. And that was just the beginning. The story continues. Narrative, where truth lives.